Thank you. We, um, we have this audacious belief that God is not just alive, but that he speaks. And that when we open his word, he speaks to, I wouldn't bother preparing and you wouldn't bother coming if you thought it was just going to be an interesting little chat about life. Um, but you come and, and, I, and I prepare because we think that God breathes and speaks through his word. And when he does so, things shift, things change. Uh, people's lives get turned upside down. People get turned on to not just the concept of God, but the presence and person of God. And God has not only got a book out, but he has things to say about your life and, and how that uh, changes things. And so I'd love you, if you have a Bible, if you turn to the Psalms and to, to that Psalm that was read for us uh, just a little bit earlier. It's probably, am I guessing, one of the most famous passages in the whole of Scripture. It's the kind of thing that if you hang out at funerals, you hear the 23rd Psalm. Um, it's the kind of thing that if you ever read the Bible at any stage or ever memorized the Scriptures in any way, you probably memorized the 23rd. Why would you hang out at funerals? But you, Just sometimes, I, I don't know. Um, and here's what I wanted to start with. I, I, I don't, there are often times when I want to say with absolute confidence that I'm an expert in everything I'm about to speak on, and it wouldn't be true. But today it is true. It's absolutely true. I am a total and utter expert on fear. And which sounds like a weird thing because I'm a relatively balanced, I like to think, I'm a relatively balanced, kind of centered kind of guy. But my life displays that I live often out of fear. There are things in my life that sometimes paralyze my life and stop my life and, and make me think twice about things. And, and oftentimes the decisions that I make are made out of fear and not faith. I've told you before that I have, I have some issues with the dark. I don't know what it is, but we live out in the country and when the family is at home, I have no problems with leaving all the lights off. But when I'm alone, I leave the landing light on all night. I have no idea what I think that's going to do to the prospective burglar. Oh, the landing light's on. I'm not going in there. It's going to be okay, you know. I, I got animals of all kinds totally freak me out. You know, I, I, I pretend I like your dog. I really do not like your dog, and I think your dog will probably bite me. Chickens. <laughs> I'm all right with dead ones. I can eat those. But, I, you know, the ones that actually flap and fly, we actually have chickens. Sheep. They're scary things. We have those as well. But I don't know, there's this, I have this stuff in my life which is totally irrational. And, and then I have stuff that is deeper than that. I got a serious case of FOMO. I do. I, 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 I think we blame FOMO, fear of missing out on social media. Social media is not to blame. We all had FOMO before. Social media just proves the fact that we were missing out in the first place. Doesn't it? You know, we all were worried that somebody else was having a better life than we were having, and everyone was doing something, and, and now we know they are having a better, a better life than us. So I've got, I got some of that. And actually, I, do have a, I have a fear of what people think of me. God's dealing with it, but I, I do. I have, that, I have that thing going on in my life. I wonder what your fears are. I wonder what your, your, your little fears and big fears that actually get in the way of you being fully who you're created to be because we've all got them. 
do, do you know what the, the, like the top 10 fears are in Britain? You ever thought about that? Let me, let me give you a few, a few thoughts. How many of you are afraid of dogs? Okay, I mean really afraid of dogs. 3%, it's, it's called cynophobia. 3% of the population are paranoidly afraid of dogs. You know, actually don't want, won't come into a house if there's, uh, there, there, there's, there's a dog. Um, blood, any of you afraid of blood? No, yeah? Come on, this, I mean, let's be, look, look this is group therapy. We're going to get into the word in a minute. God's got some stuff to say, but let's, let's get real. Anyone afraid of blood? No, 3% of the population are absolutely petrified of blood. Totally petrified of it. You know, won't deal with it, get freaked out by the, by the whole thing. Anybody, anybody here afraid of clowns? I'm serious. This is a big thing. This is more, there are more people in Britain who are paranoidly afraid, more afraid of clowns than they are of blood or dogs. Clowns. It's, it's called chlorophobia. Clowns. 4% of the population. Airplanes. Anybody here afraid of air, air travel? Nobody? 7% of the population. Totally. This, I, I can't even pronounce it. Teromerahanophobia or something like that. Didn't, I, I, think someone, I think Wikipedia is lying to me. <laughs> needles. I'm big style needles. They have to, when I go to get blood taken, they lie me down. Because I am going to fall down. And when I go down, I go down with a bang. <laughs> it's, it's, not, it's not good. 8%, eight, let's get to the big ones. Does anyone know what the top two, the top two are? They're, they're actually not on there. Ah, they're not on there. What's the top two? Anybody? You can confer. You can ask a friend. What's, what, what, what do we reckon? Anyone call it out? Heights, no. No, no. It's not even in the top ten. Heights. Sorry? Death, no. That's not either. No, it's not death. Yes. Yes. The second highest fear people have is something called glossophobia, which is the fear of public speaking. 20%, 20% of people in Britain are absolutely rigidly petrified of standing up and speaking, doing, doing what I'm doing now. There are, people are more afraid of speaking than they are of death, which means that if you find yourself at a funeral, you'd rather be in the coffin than doing the eulogy thing. <laughs> Think, this was not supposed to be funny. Uh, the, the top one, does anyone know what the top one is? We're going we're to get into the word of God here quickly. Come on. Anyone? Being alone, no? That's good, that's very profound. Snakes, which is weird. We're in Britain. We don't have snakes. Why are we afraid of snakes? Honestly, here we go. 21% of people in Britain have a paranoid fear of snakes. So we've entitled the sermon series Fearless. And um, it's very deliberate. It's, I think it's quite clever because I, I did it. <laughs> But it's not fearless, it's fearless. Because what I'm not gonna promise through this series is that you never have to experience fear in your life because that would be untrue. You're gonna experience some fear. There's some stuff that's gonna come into your life that's gonna make you tempted to be afraid. But you definitely can fear less. And those fears do not have to debilitate you restrict you, control you, 
own you and name you. You can have victory over your fears. We live, we live in a fearful society, don't we? And there is good reason for us to be fearful. I mean, honestly, you just switch on your TV and there is good reason right there for you to be fearful. You know, every 10 minutes there's a pandemic that we're not going to be able to handle with the antibiotics that we've already overdone. The chemical warfare is something that is real. I haven't heard as much talk about World War III in my 25 years on this planet than I have in, in the last 10 days. And it's not just, is America going to go to war with Russia? Russia going to go to war with America? It's actually Israel, Iran, Middle East. What's, what's going on in our world? There is good reason to be afraid. Putin, Trump, North Korea... There's good reason to be afraid. And even more, even close to the home, there's good reason to be afraid. There has never been a generation, certainly not for many, many, many years, where we are fearful that our kids will have it worse than we have it, had it. They will not be able to afford houses and education. And how are we going to do all this? And, and, and the fears come into our minds and into our hearts. And, and the danger is we become an incredibly fear-driven society. I was in Costco the, the, um, about, I don't know, four or five weeks ago, and I knew we were going to do this series. And I went down the book aisle. I love to look at the books. And I found a book which was totally hilarious and utterly ridiculous. And I was so proud of having found this book and having prepared like six weeks before a sermon series that I took pictures of, of this book, and here, here, it, here it is. It, the title is How Not to Die. And it's, it's big. It's like bigger than a Bible. It's like how not to die. And, and I, I thought, this is great. And it's, a, it's discover the food scientifically proven to prevent and reverse disease. But you've got to listen to the chapter titles. This is just utterly, in, it's, it's, it's beyond incredible. How not to die, chapter one, how not to die from heart disease. Chapter three, how not to die from brain disease. Chapter six, how not to die from diabetes. Chapter nine, how not to die from blood cancers. Chapter 11, how not to die from suicidal depression. Well, you're going to die from suicidal depression if you read this book. It's, it's, so I, so, so I, I, I thought this is great. This is a great, this is a great, um, this is great. I can tell people that we live in a fearful society. And I said to Nick, my wife Nikki, I said, Nick, this is, this is great. I've got this ridiculous book that I'm going to use as a, and then she kind of goes slightly flushed and, and, and red and disappears upstairs. Where's Nick gone? And she comes down and says, I bought it for you. <laughs> I, I'm not going to suggest that we can kill fear. But I do want to stop it killing you. I do want to stop it killing you, because it is. Here's the deal. Being set free from something doesn't necessarily mean the disappearance of it. Being set free from something doesn't necessarily mean the disappearance of it. You sometimes still have to face it, but you can be free from it. From time to time, fear is going to come your way. Jesus says you're free from anxiety. You don't have to live in anxiety, but every now and again, worry is going to come and pay you a visit. Maybe often because of the world that we live in. Here's the thing. You, you just don't have to let it in, make it a cup of coffee, and hang out with that emotion. You can be free of that feeling and free of that action and free from being debilitated by those lies and those thoughts that come into your head about what's going to happen in your life. How can I say that? Two reasons. 
Firstly, because of what God says. One of Jesus' closest friends, the Apostle John, probably his closest friend, probably the guy that knew Jesus more than anyone knew Jesus, writes this about Jesus. He says, perfect love drives out fear. And then he begins to paint this picture of how Jesus' life and Jesus' teaching and Jesus' activity and Jesus' death on a cross evidences the love of God. And then he says, you don't need to live in fear because you can live loved. You can live in the deep security of being known and being loved by God. So firstly, I'm going to claim this because of what God says. And secondly, I'm going to claim it because of who God is. And I want you to turn to that passage of scripture that we read earlier. And I want to tell you what it means that the Lord is my shepherd. And how the Lord being my shepherd means that I don't need to be afraid. And I don't need to let fear hang out with me. And I don't need to make decisions based on fear. I can make decisions based on faith. This is, the, um, this is right in the middle of the Bible. If you're if you not used to a Bible, you just take your Bible, cut it in half, and you'll come to Psalms. And in the middle of the Psalms, the Psalms is basically David's prayer book. And it's deeply personal. I think sometimes because we know Psalm 23 really well, we just skip reading and go, this is really nice, it's good, it's a good. We've sung it so many times. But actually what we don't realize is this is actually David's incredibly personal testimony to the faithfulness of God. This is David saying, hey, I've got fears in my life. And to be, to be really honest, I have every reason to be afraid and then it, he then starts to like self-speak and self-medicate and says, but I, I'm not going to fear lack because God is the God who provides for me. He's the, one who, he's the God of provision. I'm not going to fear loss or, 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 or that I am lost because God is the one who leads me and guides me and he's the shepherd. I'm not going to fear defeat. How many of you fear that somehow ultimately you're going to get defeated in life? It's actually not going to work out for you. Somehow someone's going to catch you out. David says, I don't, I don't fear that. Even though it, it could be real for me, I don't fear it because God is the God who places me before my enemies and vindicates me. I don't even fear death. Because even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. I don't fear it. I don't need to live afraid. Even though I feel afraid. And David starts to talk about God being a shepherd. You, you know, you're going to have someone shepherd you in life. I know we don't like to think about somebody looking after us, something guiding us, something being the authority of our lives, but the reality is you're going to have a shepherd in your life, be that a person or a tradition or a family path or a culture. But David says, God, this God is my shepherd. I don't need to be afraid because he can deal with it. His character is perfect. His power is unprecedented and he's got it covered and he is with me. It's like a game changer. I don't know if you, if you know this, I, I do, that um, having someone with you tends to make you bold. When you, when you feel fearful or, or afraid, having someone with you, particularly, well, I guess it depends on the person, but generally, having someone 
with you makes you... When my kids were, were, were little, they would, t- they would tend to go to Nikki for everything practical and useful. But when they were afraid, they'd want to hold my hand. Because they thought, if I hold Dad's hand, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. How much more do we not need to be afraid when we hold the hand of the creator of the universe? The God who says, I'm your father. I made it all. I've got it all. I'm going to wrap it all up. I've got it covered. I will be your shepherd. I am with you. Oftentimes, guys, your fear is totally legitimate. I'm not going to stand here and say, you know, that that every fear you have is irrational. Oftentimes, your fear is totally legitimate. You've experienced some, some stuff. David says, the Lord not only allows the valley of death, but leads us through the valley of death. There is a beyond the valley of death, but you have to go through the valley of death. And, and here's the thing, fear in the valley of death is a legitimate emotion, isn't it? When you're in the valley of death, you, you, you're going to feel fear. You're going to be a very special person that doesn't feel fear. Here's the thing, you just don't have to let it lead you. Your challenges are real. Your past has taught you some stuff. And fear is a legitimate emotion. But you don't have to let it dictate your present actions and your future outcomes. The noise of the world around us when we turn on our TV and we listen to the, the chatter and we, we look at social media, the noise of the world around us threatens to drown out the voice of the God who is with us. But it can't. Ultimately, it can't. Because God says, I am with you. And even when your fear is totally irrational, and some of you know it is, even, even when you're afraid of stuff that is just never going to happen. Do you know, a, 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 um, a recent survey suggests that almost 60% of the things that people are totally transfixed and fearful of and paranoid of are totally irrational things that are never going to happen, statistically. They're just not going to happen. But we find ourselves bound by those. You know, N- Nikki and I are now traveling quite a bit, and um, as we get older, we find ourselves in, in different parts of the country or different cities or even occasionally on different continent. And so communication is brilliant, isn't it? Today, you can FaceTime people, you can Skype them, you can, you, know, you can actually see them, you can talk to them. So it's not, it's not so bad, apart from the fact that Nikki's m- mobile phone is always playing up. It's broken. Um, it, it's fine when she's making outgoing calls. But incoming calls just doesn't seem to work for, for Nikki. Hasn't worked for five years or so. I, 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 so I ring Nikki and it, uh, ring, 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 flipping ring, 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 ring. And then, hi, you've reached Nikki's mobile. It, and, and I know where it is. It's in the bag of requirement. <laughs> you know, that kind of thing. That somewhere in there the safe places where you put things there's a phone and eventually at some stage she'll get but, but in the, and, and I, I mean, it's, no, it's not quite as bad as that it's, I'm going to get supper tonight uh, but here's the thing what it does to me is the thing because I try nine times, ten times 
And, and it started off, I just wanted to say I love you, and then it becomes something that becomes paranoid and panicky, and, and then something happens in my head, and I go, do you know, maybe she's been kidnapped, or maybe, maybe she's in an accident, maybe she can't speak, maybe, maybe she's been struck dumb, she can't actually, maybe she can't reach the phone. May, I've seen taken, I know what happens. <laughs> this, this irrational fear begins to get into my head, and then I begin to think, who's going to look after the chickens, because I don't want to do the chickens which is the, totally the wrong thought, but it's all layered, you know, it's all layered, this thing that goes on in my, in my life. And you have those things as well. Probably not as ridiculous as that. But statistically, some of the things that you are totally, totally strangled by are just not going to happen. And you waste so much of your time so much of your energy worrying about something that almost certainly will not happen tomorrow and it robs you of your today. It's like the, the, the don't go bathing in America because you'll be eaten by a shark thing. Has anyone ever thought that? Has anyone ever been eaten by a shark? Has anyone heard of anyone that got eaten by a shark? Yes, you saw it in the news, yeah. But God says, Look, I am with you by the still waters. Look, look at the scriptures. By the still waters, I am with you. When it's all good, I'm with you. In the valley of the shadow of death, I'm with you. I'm with you when it sucks. In the presence of your enemies, I'm with you. When, you, when they seem to hem you in, let's, let's pause here for a moment. Do you know, here's, here's the thing, your peace has an enemy. Your life has an enemy. The scriptures call him a number of things, but uh, I think the most helpful uh, phrase is that he is the father of lies. And he is set on making you think that all your fears are real and keeping you living in your fear and never really having freedom and never truly becoming the person that God made you to be. To keep you preserving stuff and never speculating. To keep you less than who you are. That's what he's, he's bent on doing because he knows that the savior of the world came that you might have life in all its fullness. And if he, convinced, if he can convince you that the real deal is to have life in all its halfness or narrowness or restrictedness, then he wins. Jesus, when he is talking about shepherds and describing himself as the good shepherd of the sheep, says this, the enemy, the father of lies, he comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I, the good shepherd, have come to give you life. Guys, you don't have to let your life collude with the enemy. You don't have to live in the lie. In all eternity, the shepherd says, I am with you. And, and, and the scriptures invite us just to make a choice. I mean, it's a difficult choice, and we'll talk about some of the practicalities of, of it in, in a moment, but the scriptures invite us to make a choice. Are you going to live in faith, or, or are you going to live in fear? Are you going to decide to live according to the dictates and words of the father of lies? Or are you going to live according to the love of the shepherd, the comfort of the shepherd, who says, I will be with you. And David, David is, I mean, he, this is not just some kind of ethereal concept. David is walking through his life. And if you read the scriptures and you read the, the account of King David, his backstory is a story of potential fear and temptation to be afraid. He, he deals with lions and he deals with Goliaths and he deals with kings who want to kill him and sons who plot against him and internal stuff that's going to destroy him and, and spiritual depression. He deals with that as well. And I think actual depression. 
deals with all of that stuff. And David says, the, 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 the deal breaker, the deal maker, the thing that changes everything, the game changer, is that this God is with me. And if you ask him, and if you let him, he's going to give you an ability to walk in total trust, absolute freedom, and experience real rest. Doesn't that sound good? I mean, who would love that? About seven of you. Check, check this out. Here we go. Look at verse two. He makes me lie down. I've never noticed this before. Why does he make me lie down? Why did, why did we get that? He makes me lie down. I mean, I get the walking through the valley of the shadow of death and having triumph and victory and all this. Why, does, why do we get, he makes me lie down? Let me, let me try something. Because when I lie down, I've got to stop. It's, it's, it's my most vulnerable position, isn't it? Particularly if you're, in, you're out in the open and you're lying down. I can't produce anything when I'm lying down. Maybe a few songs or a couple of sermons. But, but I can't, I'm not, you know, didn't say lie down with a laptop. It's just when he he says, he makes me lie down. It's the position of ultimate trust. It's the moment that I stop working as if the world will cease to spin on its axis if I stop working. It's the moment I, I say, God, I, I, I'm trusting that you've got this. I'm trusting that you've got my protection. I'm trusting that you have my future. I'm trusting that you have my finances. I'm tr- it's why the Lord encourages us to have a Sabbath. So we walk through our life saying, I can't do it. I, he, makes, he makes me lie down. He makes me lie down. And suddenly... That's not a lot I can do here. And anyone can attack me from here. And I can't defend myself from here. And I can't make it happen from here. I'm totally dependent on the goodness of the shepherd. And, and, and that, that's so, so important because it's the starting point of dealing with fear. Let him lay you down because he wants to restore your soul. Let him lay you down, because he wants to restore your soul. God has a reckless plan to restore my soul. If we read the passage, it has, he leads me in right paths for his namesake, he restores my soul. He leads me in right paths for his namesake, he restores my soul. God has a plan, it has something to do with his name, And, and I will walk right, and when I lie down, something's going to happen. His name. Well, we already know that he's known as the, the shepherd, don't we? His name is Jehovah Ra, the shepherd. But he's also known as the peace. Jehovah Shalom, the Lord is my peace. He's also known in the Old Testament scriptures as the provider, Jehovah Jireh, the God who provides. I don't have to fear lack. 
Because the one that I'm trusting in, the one that lays me down, the one that guides me is the one that provides. He is the provider. He's the one that owns the cattle on a thousand hills. He's the one that always underwrites everything that he provokes. I don't have to live in poverty thinking and lack that it's not going to happen for me because if he's called me to something, he's going to enable me to make it happen. His name is the power, Sabaoth, Lord of the angel armies. You don't have to fear any force. Nothing can stand against you. His name is Rafe, the God who heals. The God who heals. And he wants to restore your soul. And he wants to deal with your fear by restoring your soul. That word restore is the Hebrew word yeshevev. Yeshevev. And it probably isn't pronounced right, but the meaning is definitely right. It means to return back to the point of departure. Restore, to return back to the point of departure. Stay there without thought. It's going to get technical. The word soul is the word nefesh. And it means life or simply a person. So what God is saying is this. I want to restore your soul. I want to take you back to the original design for your life. Before it got broken... He mends everything that got messed up by the busted world that we walk through, the broken people that we encounter, and the bad decisions that we made. He wants to restore your soul. He wants to deal with the stuff that legitimately causes you to fear and me to fear. Because I was let down, and I was abused, and I was rejected, and I was overlooked, and I was abandoned, and I never amounted to it. And my soul has learned to fear, and my soul is tired, and my soul is broken. But he says, I want you to live not out of fear, but out of faith. And the only way for that to happen is you have to lie down and accept you can't fix it, you can't solve it, you can't handle it, you have to allow me to do it and I want to mend your soul. See, I have learned to control things. I am so not a control freak, but I have learned to control things because I want to have some control over my life. But control is a liar. I can't be in control. And ironically, the impulse to try and control things actually keeps me from the one thing I'm trying to achieve, which is freedom and healing and wholeness. And and, and it just restricts me and binds me because I'm trying to control it all. So today I choose not to be led by the fears of my past and the fears of my future and the concerns of my present and the lies of the enemy that tells me I'll never make it and the words of those around me who doubt me, and the culture that overwhelms me with its agenda. I choose not to be defined by my depression, or my anxiety, or my paranoia. They're real things, but they do not define me, and they do not name me. I am not those things. I'm choosing to choose. I'm choosing to want to choose. I'm choosing to choose to be led by the shepherd that knows me by name, that loves me, that calls me out, that makes me lie down. He leads me through the valley. He restores my soul. He makes me clean. He deals with the damage. He puts together the pieces. He heals me of the cynicism and the hopelessness because you know that when you begin to fear and you live out of fear and you make decisions out of fear, it's not very long before you become hard-hearted and you become cynical and you become judgmental and you look at everyone else's stuff around you because you're afraid to look at your own stuff. You're looking at everybody else's stuff. He heals me of my cynicism and offers me the opportunity and freedom to trust him completely. Will you let me lay 
you down because he's the shepherd of my soul. Which is all well and good, Carl, but how, <laughs> how, do, how? I mean, how? Sick of those sermons where you get, the answer is Jesus. Of course the answer is Jesus. How, how? How do I deal with my fear? Let me just give you a few practical things and then we'll, then we'll pray. First thing I think we have to recognize is that we need to recognize fear when it comes. Because we're really good at pretending it's not fear. We call it a bunch of things. We're concerned about some things. We're worried a little bit about some things. And we have some anxiety about something. No, you're afraid. Call it afraid and then we can begin to deal with it. You're afraid. Uh, and sometimes we even spiritualize it. We say, I've got this nagging thing. In some, no, no, don't, don't make your fear God. You're afraid. It's not wrong to be afraid. You, you, you're, you're, you, you, it's totally rational for you to be afraid. It's, it's okay for you to be afraid, but you're afraid. And it's not God's best for your life. So let's, let's begin to address it. Second thought is this, bring into the light. Everything that is hidden in the darkness traps us way more than the stuff that gets exposed and brought into the light. Call it for what it is. Begin to work out why it is. I, I, have, this, I have this fear that's way beyond what it should be about financial provision for me for the future. This is not me just speaking. This, this is honest. This is me. I do have this thing. And it, it makes, if I, if I think it through and add it up and in my best moments, it makes no sense because God has never, ever let me down. At any stage, he has never, ever let me down. But I have this thing that it's going to happen. I'm not going to be able to do this. I'm not going to be able to pay for that. I'm not going to be able to make it happen. I'll tell you why it's there. It's there because my parents always struggled. It's there because I saw them struggle. It's there because I saw them in anxiety and fear. I just need to accept it, name it, deal with it. Because otherwise I just pass it on to everybody else as well. Because my kids see me acting in that way, I'll pass that stuff on as well. And then they begin to live in fear of these things. Recognize it. Bring it into the light. Give it to the shepherd. He's the healer. He can deal with it. You have to believe that whilst he's taking you into the valley, he also takes you through the valley. You have to believe that the one who's taking you into the valley is going to take you through the valley. And you have to let go. You have to make space. If you want him to deal with it, you have to take your hands off of it. It's a weird thing, isn't it? But sometimes our fears become so friendly with us that we want to keep them close to us. It's like a little ulcer that we have in our... Uh, it hurts. And you can't stop it. Can you? I'm, is this just me? It's, it's kind of... Something hurt. It's like that. The fear, I almost hate it and I like it. Kind of restricts me, but I'm comfortable with it. If you want to deal with it, you have to let go. You have to make space. He wants to fill your life full of peace and hope and freedom. But it's currently full of your control and your fear. And you have to let him lie you down. And then you have to get some help. God is a healer, but he, he heals people in a variety of different ways. I tell you what I've seen. I've seen God heal people instantly. 
And seen people with debilitating fear just get it dealt with because they met the shepherd. I've seen people with mental illness get it dealt with because they met the shepherd. But I've also seen people over many years in a process where the healer of my soul is in process with them, walking with them as they get help. I've seen people with counselors. I've seen people in prayer ministry. I've seen people in life care. I've I've seen people with medication. God uses all these things to restore our souls so that we live out of faith and freedom and not out of fear. One of the strange things, wouldn't he and I have some sheep? Why do I have so many animals? They freak me out. Or in the words of my uh, youngest daughter, they give me the fear. Give me the fear. They do. they do. The strange thing about sheep is that what I've noticed and what I've read is they refuse to lie down unless a number of requirements are met. Requirement number one, they must be free from all fear. So if there's something in their field that makes them afraid, they're not lying down. If, if Ash, our dog, why have we got a dog? If Ash, our dog, is in the field, they're not scared of Ash, but there's, there's a jitteriness. They're not lying down and just being comfortable because Ash is, is around. There has to be a freedom from fear. Secondly, there must be no tension between the members of the flock. If, if there's a bit of argy-bargy going on between the black sheeps and the white sheeps, they're butting each other. That wasn't a racial thing. That would, there are black sheeps and white sheeps in my in my field, if they're butting each other and having a little bit, then no one's lying down because you don't know when you're going to get butted or you're going to get attacked. Thirdly, they mustn't be aggravated by flies or parasites. They must be healthy. And fourthly, they need to be free from hunger. The reason I tell you that is, is part of my job here and our job here is to create a safe place to deal with some difficult stuff. Where there's a freedom from fear. A safe place to hear a dangerous message. A safe place to encounter the shepherd of our souls. A safe place to bring our stuff and our questions and our fears and our anxieties and our angers and our, our dreams and our hopes and say, God, I want to I leave here different because I believe that you're alive and I believe that you're, you love me and I believe that you're here and I believe that you're for me. And I'm coming that you might restore my soul. So make some choices. Today, begin a process. You may not have the strength to do it alone. In fact, you probably don't. But make some choices. I, I'm, I, I'm not going to be debilitated by fear anymore. I'm not going to allow those words that were spoken over me or those emotions that I felt to limit me any longer. I'm, going to, I'm not going to fear lack anymore. I'm going to begin a process. Let me land the plane that some of you are afraid of. Jesus. One of the titles that he uses for himself is Good Shepherd. And he talks about his love for sheep and his knowledge and his commitment to finding lost sheep. He even says he lays down his life for the sheep. On, on one occasion, he's speaking to his sheep. He's speaking to, he's speaking to his young leaders. And he says to them, do not be anxious. Don't be fearful. Don't be afraid or upset because there is a father who has a house and his house is your home. 
You don't need, need to live in fear because this God that sometimes gets described as a shepherd, sometimes as a healer, sometimes as a warrior, sometimes as, uh, as, as massive and powerful is also a father who knows you, loves you, has a plan for your life and wants the best for you. He's a father and he has a house. His house is the place of the absence of anything that would make you afraid. It's the absence of anything that is incompatible with his perfect, pure nature. And his house is your home. That's where you belong. That's where you start to begin to become the person God made you to be. Trust in me, says Jesus. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He restores my soul. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For your rod and your staff your weapon of protection and your staff of encouragement are with me. The Lord is my shepherd. Let's pray. So just in the quietness, Don't you just bring your fear to God, to the shepherd? I mean, he kind of knows it already. But part of the deal is you telling him what it is. This is what I'm afraid of. This is how it limits me. And if you want, even in the quiet, the great thing about God is that he's the God of relationships, that he's, this is dynamic. It's not set in stone. And if you want, just in the quietness, you can say, I'm not having it anymore. I don't want this anymore. I don't know where to start, but I don't want this anymore. I don't want this to limit me. I don't want it to uh, name me. I don't want it to be my narrative. I want to be free. I don't want to limp around. I want to be free. God, we love you. We love your character. We love the way that you deal with us as individuals. We love the fact that you know us intimately. You call us by name. You understand our stuff. You see our brokenness. And you're in the business of restoring our souls. And so, Holy Spirit, would you come? Would you come? And would you introduce us to the shepherd of our souls? And would it truly be well? Would it truly be well with my soul?